1: It's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hi everyone. So we're back after a week off uh, and I'm back after what seems like a substantial time away. I mean I only missed one pod, but I was off in Hong Kong, you know, for two weeks, and I think that kind of all folds into about a month away. And so, yeah, I mean, it's good to get back to the weird world of fantasy football, especially following a weekend where the FA Cup took precedence. And I, Lucy, was glued to all the action. By that, I mean, I was glued to watching Ben Crelin make alterations to his spreadsheet as the results came in. What a strange world we live in, eh? Anyway, I'm back. And as you just uh, heard, Lucy is too, uh, after a great pub with Nick last time out. Well, all right, Lucy, you weren't glued to the football, I don't think, but continues to be glued, I'm sure, to any transfer rumours surrounding Saints maybe signing a
0: forward, striker, slash anybody who can put the ball in the onion bag, right? Yes, we've reached that desperate stage of the transfer window where I'm sat watching YouTube videos entitled Vitinha, the next Portuguese goal machine, and receiving updates on private jets reportedly, but probably not, taking players to Southampton Airport. And in that context... That wild, wild transfer window, which sees £105 million spent on a player that's played a good World Cup. In that context, FPL is a very positive and relatively sane distraction, which might be a first. Anyway, Hmm. we are Who Got The Assist. You can find Tom on the main account at WGTA underscore FPL. And you can find me at Lucy Hynit with two T's. On the pod today, we'll be discussing the butterfly effect in FPL, how often small decisions set us on a certain path, whether that's players or structure, and how that can impact our onward planning. This leads us into a more tactical look at the pair of double game weeks ahead. How should we manage those? Who do we bring in? And arguably, more importantly... Who do we overlook as a result of the path that we're on? Then we'll move on to whether I'll be triple captaining. I'm hoping I've worked out by the time we've reached this bit whether I am. And finally, does our overall rank change how we approach these situations? Just for reference, we're recording on the evening of the 30th of January. So the FA Cup fixtures are mostly finished, aside from Derby versus West Ham. And the League Cup semis are yet to come. So we have a good view of the calendar, but Southampton may yet bring a surprise against Newcastle this week. I can't even get through that note. I can't
1: say about a I face. can't even,
0: it doesn't even sound plausible. Yes. So <laughs> moving swiftly along.
1: Yes. And the transfer window is open at the time of recording yes. as well. So maybe there would be some last minute blockbuster, some more Bamiyang joining the Premier League in the Arsenal days or Bruno Fernandes joining Man United. I thought he he'd been there for three years They tweeted out today. I know. Where has the time gone? Where has the time gone? Wow. I know. I'm sure I was younger and better looking back then. Right. uh, Let's move on to what seems like an age ago. The glory and the despair of last week, Game Week 21. Just to give a quick update of where where we were, really. As I said in my little kind of note last week, for people who listened to that 20 seconds, I did quite well last week. And Lucy, perhaps not so well. Should we start with you? How did the week Go.
0: Oh, don't you
1: have to start with me. Oh, or, or, I mean, I mean, I can go first. No, you go first. Me. You
0: go first. Let's have your glory. Come on.
1: Okay then. All right. So I got ninety-eight points last week. I went into the Friday game needing eight points from Kane to reach the hundred. Scored this goal, so I thought, yeah, you know, I'm on the path to hundred here. Unfortunately, the header in the second half, I think it was, went down as a big chance missed. That took him out of the bonus, but obviously, any complaints are highly churlish. <laughs> ninety-eight points, half my OR, more than half from sixty-three Ks, twenty-three K, and one fell swoop. And achieved the game week rank of 35k. I've never looked at that before, but someone told me to look at it, and I thought, yeah, that's cool. Basically, I think I benefited, Lucy, from being on holiday and away from the Twitter sphere. And I did listen to the pods with Nick, and I did listen to my usual, so Planet FPL and Above Average, when I was kind of trundling around Hong Kong. I saw which way the wind was blowing online, basically roll it, and I thought, nah, you know, I'm not sure what you're rolling for. Information, yes. But the way it looked to me was that Game of 25 looked all right because most of us have Arsenal and City assets already. And I felt my team was a bit too template um, after three weeks of small Red Arrows. So I did Matoma in for Almiron. I wasn't too upset with losing Almiron. I didn't own him the first half of the season and his game since the restart hadn't impressed me. And I felt, you know what, this is a chance to, uh, an opportunity to attack by removing a well-owned player that people probably won't want to sell because they've got money in him for a player that perhaps is a bit of a differential I got very lucky. and Matoma scored a screamer, but you've got to buy a ticket to win the lottery, basically. And I was amazingly lucky too. Uh, Estu Pinion stepped up with two assists at 19 points from those two players who are kind of star differentials on live FPLs, just rocket fuel for your overall rank, really. It's not going to happen every week, best opinion. Um, I went with him over Botman on the World Cup wildcard wild card, and got very lucky with what happened this week. And now I can't swap them over. So I'm now kind of on the path of not being able to get double Newcastle defence for a little while. Preview of what we'll talk about in a bit. Elsewhere on my team, Saka scored. Robertson just about kept a clean sheet, I think. It was Havertz who got a goal ruled out in the second minute or something like that. Yeah, overall, I earned 35 points from four differentials low effective owned players on live FPL, um, which was huge, really, for the week. So yeah, satisfied, happy to go with my decision against the Herds. That paid off very nicely. I'm in a good position, really, before two weeks, which I imagine will be pretty painful for my rank, or could be, um, if triple captain sees, which I don't have. So I spent that the week I wasn't on the pod on Erling Haaland, who only got eight points. So Rashford, as we'll talk about, and Holland's coming up. I suspect it's going to be two uh, weeks where I'm going to be struggling a little bit more as opposed to the week just gone. What about yourself? How did it go?
0: Badly. I got 77 points, which was another week of subpar performance as my slow depressing trickle of red arrows continue. That's seven now in the last 10, which is in stark contrast to the start of my season, which was seven greens in the first 10. Um, that takes me from 203k down to 211k. So I'm not hemorrhaging rank. I haven't at any point hemorrhaged rank, but it's this slow trickle that's been the real problem. You mentioned about rolling. I kind of decided I'd stick with Cancelo last week. Um, I didn't expect him to necessarily play. Mm. I knew he had to go, but I just wasn't really sure who to replace him with. Um, I'd looked at stones quite seriously But then some Man City predictors weren't weren't so hot on him starting. So I wasn't sure that was worth the punt. Mm. Um, And then there's obviously the Botman temptation, which I ultimately decided against because I wasn't sure about the risks around game week 25. I'm not particularly well set defensively for 25. At the moment, I'm struggling to get more than white out. So it felt like adding Botman to that might be a bit much. As it was, both Stones and Botman got clean sheets, so... It's definitely cost me points waiting. I'm just hoping that it's earned me some flexibility because I've got quite a lot of fires to sort out. Cancelo being one of them, I'm not really keen on keeping with Almiron either, so I'm sure I'll talk about it more later. But that wasn't much cop. My defence in total just didn't do very well because I also had Shaw come in mm. for Cancelo. White continues to refuse to score me points when I actually decide to start him. I might decide to start him and he obviously got that not pointer as well. And then the frustration with Mitrovic may have finally spilt over more on that later as well. <laughs> uh, Kane's almost haul. I do think he was very close, that header, you know, that you got yeah. your side and thought you yeah. take get to the 100-pointer. Yeah, that would have probably lifted me to a green as it was. It just oh. minimized the size of the red. So, you know, it's not been a disaster, but it's kind of just an ongoing trend that I need to get a kind of hold on. And I'm sure we'll we'll discuss that more later.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was in the same thing. That was why I kind of, I guess, impetuously moved. And yes, got lucky with the double assist. I think one of the assists for Esteban was literally a, a, a like a pass on the halfway line. Yeah, just the it to him, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mem- I remember Rob Holding doing something similar here and Yes, to for both of us. Yeah, a little while yeah, ago. Yeah, it was a wonderful yeah. day, that. Oh, what an assist that was. But yeah, no, that sort of thing, those sort of things kind of happen every now and again. It's just a high variance outcome, uh, which uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Hopefully, um, I'll get some of those going forward. We'll talk about that as well in just a bit. Uh, just to touch on the mini league update quickly before we get into the main topic this week, market forces will come during the main because so It's quite uh, segues in quite nicely. I haven't done the mini league update for a little while because it keeps being mid-double game week and the next pod will indeed be mid-double game week. Just to give a quick update of the top 10. In 10th, it's Joel Seymour Hyde. Uh, we'll see more points. Like it. Down from 6th to 10th this week after a sweet 69. Unfortunately, Captain Mares, And I think there was a goal which was ruled out for Mares due to a marginal offside, so it could have been so much better for Joel, but as as it was down to 10th from 6th. In 9th, up from 10th, it's box divers Gareth Kellis, uh, 78 sweeps for Gareth. In 8th, up from 21st, it's Sweet blue boys Victor Sundal, 88 points for Victor. In seventh, down from fifth, Durham Scouse, Matthew Winkler, 74 points for him. In sixth, down from fourth, he's been in the round top 10 for quite a while. Harry Liu, 74 points for Harry as well. In fifth, up from eighth, Chris Hughes with Villains, uh, 89 points for him. Brought in Odegaard this week. Got that last gasp assist, I think it was, wasn't it? In fourth, down from third, Captain Jack Sparrows, Andy Nichols with a 73 up from 7th to 3rd is Daniel Strand Strand United with a big 93 points this week selling Luca Dean for Big Dan Byrne that must have been a very very satisfying move to press confirm on Daniel <laughs> dear me <laughs> and uh, staying where they were in second Rob Brooks what would Jesus do 81 points Rob this week bought in Botman and Tony and up top Mark Bleakley with semi-end Mark's been on top for quite a while. Well. he's got a 46 point lead in the middle league at the moment 89 points I'm pretty sure he's in the top 20 globally as well that's a very very good work there mark indeed right let's move on to the main discussion this week which is about the butterfly effect in fpl i know this is a high narrative genius because i was rooting around for a way to look at this and lucy was like oh what about this i was like yes this this is a great way of doing it so props to lucy for coming up with this idea but yes the butterfly effect in fpl what is this so a bit like the time-mending film from the noughties starring ashton kutcher this is the idea that the small things can have unforeseen wider impacts to your timeline or to the timeline without getting to Marvel multiverse-y yawn. The idea comes from the notion of a butterfly flapping its wings to cause a tornado and sits in the wider remit of chaos theory. So that's the idea that randomness of complex systems is all around us, but there are perhaps some underlying patterns and trends. And to bring this theory from the intellectual heights of academia into the gutter of FPL, we see this all the time in our pokey fantasy game that we play. For example, you might find that, you know, particular injuries mean you've got to deal with a problem rather than being freed to buy the next bandwagon. You may be constrained by the structure you set out with I mean, you're unable to wedge in the additional midfielder on top of the ones that you already have or make decisions which price you out or restrict you from guessing due to squad limits, the next big gun when double game week comes up. I've definitely had this before. An example that comes to mind is that big double game week when Stones and Diaz went off. For some reason, I couldn't get to either of them. I can't I can't remember why. I think it was just because I didn't want to sell the defenders I have because I had good fixtures coming up, and yeah, I got massively came by that. And I guess this leads us to pathways and how the choices we make can have knock-on consequences in FPL further down the line. And we thought this week it was worth discussing that in terms of how it affects us in FPL briefly. And then we'll apply that to the current atmosphere where we have back-to-back double game weeks and look at how we sort of navigate them, especially if we are stuck in this pathway due to the butterfly effect. So impacts of decisions that we made, even way back to World Cup wildcard, which are having their knock-on effects now as we plan for that back-to-back double setup. So let's talk about the butterfly effects in these pathways, Lucy. Beate Helgerson asks, you know, what can we do to so set team up for the best possible butterfly path? Is the answer, he says, simply the boring one. Make sure the path is as predictable as possible. I mean, how has this affected you in FPL you know, recently? And you know, perhaps you can bring it into the season as well.
0: I think we'll probably talk about it more directly in terms of the, the post-World Cup wildcard. But I think we did both get into the same pattern before the World Cup when we got into that pattern of crossard and Madison and did a load of like little transfers, which we felt compelled to mm. do because it was part of the plan, but kept consistently transferring points out. And I think that's what you can do. I think it's it's very easy to get stuck into one of these pathways, particularly if you like to plan a few weeks ahead, which when you get to this stage in the season feels almost compulsory, doesn't it? Because you don't want to be left with say, a lot of blankers in in a a blank game week and you don't want to be left exposed to popular players in double game week. Mm. Um, So I think as much as we'll review this and say, oh, we shouldn't have got trapped into this or that. I think it's much easier to do than we probably realise. And it can pay off really well. Like if you get into a good pathway um, and you're kind of constantly rolling off points, then, you know, it can seem like genius and it can be the reason you do, you know, six green arrows back to back. Um, I think it's when you get stuck into a, a negative one where you perhaps aren't where you want to be that it can be kind of more of a problem. Um, yeah, so I think kind of thinking about my team more specifically, um, I guess my big decision was that I wanted to go three four three primarily because I thought that Mitrovic for a double game week was worth having. So I started with Martial over Saka in a 3-5-2. So I went for a 3-4-3 rather than a 3 and And that's basically defined for my performance to a certain extent since then between a yellow card in the double game week and a double kicked missed pen in the following week that sold me pretty short and a lot more short than I expected it to be you know I thought that decision would be not 50-50 but you know quite chancy one way or another and it's conclusively a terrible idea but I think actually having kind of reviewed it and looked at what I did with my team I also left a lot of money in the bank. Um, And that was kind of a big theory behind what I put together after the World Cup Cup, was that I wanted to leave myself with supposed flexibility. And so I put in Almiron over Saka. So I could have actually had Saka and Mitrovic. Um, But I kind of got hooked on flexibility and responsiveness and undervalued the transfers that would be required to make the most of that money, especially when I sat on a booked transfer to convert Martial into Mitrovic. And and I completely undervalued really... How many issues could crop up? I think the defense basically exploding is probably one of those unforeseen issues. Mm. In terms of Cancelo, for example. By the way, have you ever seen someone fall from grace like Cancelo?
1: I know, I know. We're, we'll speak. We've got him in, in the running orders to discuss. I mean, we can discuss him here if you'd like. No, <laughs> <'Cause laughs> more...
0: I just can't get over it. Like I know. Just, all day I've been like, what?
1: I know, I know. Uh, but Morpheus, a friend of the pods, says with Cancelo leaving. Uh, what pathways the Butterfly effects take us down in terms of what do we do with him? I saw earlier that he's still in the top 10 owned players in, in the game. And, There's all those dead
0: teams, isn't It, it must and be. Me.
1: It must be. Yeah, and you. Yeah, the people who have kept, <laughs> kept the faith.
0: Kept the I faith. Know, I don't think it's kept the faith at this stage. Yeah. It's just I Own him by what mistake. Do with it.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, this is kind of be links of it, isn't it? So I, I got very lucky because I had... A few weeks ago, when I was choosing, I, I bought Mitrovic in for that double game week and then shifted him out straight away. And um, as part of that deal, though, to get Mitrovic in, I had to sell Cancelo to get um, Luke Shaw. And that was the only way I could do it. And that one micro decision has led to a few weeks later. Me Yeah, I've still got Robertson, but I've kind of not got that problem to deal with, if that makes sense. And that's not a circumstance you could foresee because at the time I could have been thinking, oh, you know what, you know, maybe I want a Stones going forward or maybe I want something else. But I've been really thinking the last few weeks, oh, I really need to get a City defender in to cover this. And when you mentioned in, in, in your preamble, when you're talking about how your team did last week and decisions you could have made, right? That if you got on John Stones, for example, he limped off in the Arsenal game, didn't he? Mm, so yes. you would have you got your eight points, but now you'd be sat there thinking, well, all right, I've got another fire to put out as well as kind of something else. Yeah, so, yeah it's amazing it really is like all how all the little decisions can have an impact like in contrast to you i i had saka since the wild card as you've lamented quite a few times and um, I, I just keep
0: going on about it i just keep obsessing about yeah,
1: that yeah. i know versus mitro and martial and you know, that was a conscious choice but you could have gone with in instead of mitro and martial and you know, the, the narrative would be different i suppose
0: i think um, what i'd have done though is i'd have sold in so i'd have actually felt mm. even worse because i'd be like oh look at all those points that guy's getting that i sold. So I don't. I think it's okay.
1: Yeah, DB lonely Walker nine to nine said the same thing. They yeah, had the genius idea of selling Eddie uh for that double game week, and uh, he he's been very upset about it ever since. Yeah, that would
0: drive me insane. Yeah,
1: makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, going for that 3-5-2 and being able to buy the guy like Matoma, basically, where you know you've got got a third forward you got to play. I had you know, someone to mess around with, with a on. I buying to cover and because I didn't really have I didn't I didn't choose to get him the first part of the season so suddenly he was expendable to me whereas for somebody who's got those of value kind of tied up in him you think about it differently because you think oh hang on this guy served me well you know credit in the bank for me it's that sunk cost idea and, and another one I was thinking of was I wildcarded back in game week six and the queen died unforeseen circumstance of course but that meant I have a lot of team value and this year it's completely irrelevant mostly because as you mentioned the premium defenders rip no trent nor cancello in the mix so we're flush with cash and team value isn't relevant currently Um, premium for example is isn't a sacrifice really to get this year but there, there are loads of kind of different little aspects which lead us down different pathways and it can be very easy lucy can't it to feel that you're stuck like you, you, and I'll, I'll talk about yeah. this later on in my teams and team and tran, t- transfers and captains because I am absolutely now stuck on a path, and for the next up until the blank, I've got my moves pretty much preordained, and that that could be we- that can be weird and it can be quite frustrating, can't it?
0: Definitely. And I think it it becomes very difficult to think of another way of doing things like, you know, you start to weigh up other alternatives and you're like, oh, that involves a hit which I wouldn't have to take. Or that involves losing a player that other people will be heavily owning and, you know, you feel exposed to. So it's really difficult to balance off whether you take basically what is a sensible move, which might kind of confine you and restrict you a bit or try something a bit more outlandish, which could end up costing you points. So I don't think it's really a criticism, is it, of how people play the game? It's just like an inevitable consequence of the way we plan our plan our transfers, really.
1: Yeah, and you, you can end up down all sorts of cul-de-sacs, which require problems. So, for example, you know, when I bought Mitrovic, I had to take a minus four to get myself out of that cul-de-sac and buy a, a greenwood, basically, to sort my structure out, because I ended up with 12 men, effectively, and that's not how I like to play. So, yeah, it, it, there's definitely kind of ways in which you can do it. And I guess we should probably turn the page to Double Game Week now and think about those or Double Game Weeks, I should say, and think about those. Before we do, though, are you getting bored of Double Game Weeks? So Josh and Always Cheating mentioned this and uh, as I was listening to them when I was writing these notes. I was like, yes, that's exactly what I'm thinking as well. I mean, yeah. it, it feels like it's too much, doesn't it? It's, there's too many Double Game Weeks, right?
0: Yes, there are too many at the moment. And I think they feel really constricting. Like I feel like I have to cover the big guys in those double game weeks. And so you're using transfers just to... So, for example, Bruno, which I'm sure we'll talk about in more detail, I think there's a big clamour to get him now, which is quite understandable because he's done quite well and his stats don't look too bad. But there's this big pressure now to bring in Bruno, who I probably wouldn't have looked at on a single game week and I'd have probably looked at the Matomas of this world. but. You just think, Oh, well, I've got to get that guy and then I've got to get that guy and then I've you know, I've got to be tripled up on this team and then tripled up on that team. Mm. It just becomes really like monotonous.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think just overall it feels like, you know, when you when you're out having a few beers or a few drinks and at the end of the night, you have a totally unnecessary drink as one sort of final spot of indulgence. So your trains, you know, in ten minutes time, but you know, you get given a pint, so you're like, All right, I'll neck it and then I'll go. Like double game weeks at the moment feel like not having one pint before I go, but having two or three shots of Jaeger before I leave the pub to go home. There's a level of fatigue. It's a bit like if Christmas came every day, sorry, wizard, it wouldn't be a good thing. Or if it was New Year's Eve every day, like in the Simpsons episode when they're at TGI, I think it's Scratchy's Good Time Food Drinkery and Marge remarks, it must be wonderful to ring him a new year over and over and the employee remarks, please kill me like it it definitely feels like the magic of double game weeks feels like the magic of the cup and that is completely dissipated it used to be something amazing it's a
0: chore now isn't it it's basically
1: after years of his mini doubles becoming commonplace like it just feels like lip service to be saying oh i'm so excited about this i mean fair enough if you are i mean that's great i'm just obviously a haggard and cynical old man but it just (laughs) definitely feels like you know Mad oh. every year
0: we say next year it'll be normal. We'll be back to normal double game weeks where we can enjoy, and it's like a little, I don't know celebration of FPL. And every <laughs> year there's something that goes wrong that makes us sink into this pit of double game week despair,
1: I know, and that there's more to come as well. So you've got the Queen's death. You've got the coronation, which looks like that could smash out another week. So we've got these little mini doubles perhaps happening a lot over the course of the season because I'm sure they're going to start kind of trying to fit them in wherever they can. And yeah, the upshot to that is that has an enduring impact of planning. Like it's a real roadblock as you started to touch upon how we'd otherwise manage our teams as we have to account for these sort of short term needs more than before with these intervening doubles being announced at increasingly short notice as well. And I think there's also kind of a higher luck factor as well as an impact. So, you know, you can happen to have two or three players who have Dublin your team already versus people who have none. And that kind of automatically puts you in a good position. And there's another sort of kind of butterfly effect or sort of pathway thing. I think I remember last year, People ended up, you know, with the doubles being announced pretty quickly, ended up being like, well, hang on, I've got a team for the doublers already. Whereas others had to be like, oh, hang on, I need like minus eight to get to the same kind of level of players as you do in this. And trying to figure out how much you lean into the mini doubles compared to the large ones where you always lean in, I think, will be interesting in terms of how people strike the balance, especially if you end up, which I'm sure we'll find, with lesser fancy teams doubling, hello, Watford and Burnley, from last season any other impacts i mean you did i think that's probably the big one isn't it that it just kind of is an obstacle to planning effectively
0: yeah i can't think of any kind of obvious ones as you said it's it's more about kind of balancing off risk versus reward whether you think you need to cover people and whether you don't and the problem is with a double game week it's you know because there are twice the fixtures for those players there's there's almost more swing potential so if you make a decision not to cover a a player and they do go off it can be like colossal and you know you were referencing that DS and Stones thing that's happened on multiple occasions where someone who perhaps isn't that highly rated goes off and you just feel like you've missed out and it's not necessarily the wrong decision it's just that the kind of variance and swing all gets magnified by the fact that it's a double game week.
1: Yeah, and everybody's going for it. And if you're left behind, then suddenly, especially depending on how, where you are in the ranks, you could be absolutely pummeled, can can't you? I mean, looking yeah. at Fernandez, he's been bought in by almost four hundred and forty thousand managers this game week. I Think he was single figures ownership last time I looked, and now I think he's you know, I know it's to eight point seven, so it must be a bit of an engaged core, perhaps the managers going for it. It's pretty high, to still being single figures, but there you go, very very low base. I'm guessing you started that. Rashford, unsurprisingly, being covered off as well. And Luke Shaw being brought in too. Uh, 389,000 managers have brought him in. So the big three, really, for Man United, are dominated the market forces. And unsurprisingly, the four guys are like likes of Cancelo, Almiron, Salah, and Barcinelli as well, who we'll speak about in just a bit. Elsewhere, uh, just to complete the market forces, because I probably should Mitoma has been bought by 450,000 people, um, still only owned by about 6%. So don't think you missed the boat there if you are interested. And Saka has been bought by 425,000. So double game week in a couple of weeks. And Mitrovic has been sold primarily to buy, well, Nketiah uh, to a 423,000 chance in for him. A couple of other things I noticed as well. Mudrik, 175,000 managers, saw enough in the 20-minute cameo to think it was worth buying him i'm pretty sure most of those are robots that's for damn sure and 130,000 people have bought in rodrigo as well because leads also double so double game weeks as they are let's stick to the double game week 22 at the moment what, what's your plan for it
0: well i have already done cancelo to ake in light of today's news it looks to me like that significantly improved ake's prospects that kind of less doubt about him playing left-back and obviously it frees me up 2 million. Uh, the reason I've gone today is because I only have exact cash for my other planned moves and it seemed like a fairly ro- low-risk bet given that Man City don't play in the League Cup. Um, you know why? Because Southampton knocked them out, just like I pointed out. Anyway, um, then I'm looking at Mitrovic to Nonto for his double game week. And those, those two moves will th- free up enough to do Almiron to Bruno Fernandes. Um, that's obviously a hit, uh, but that gives me three upcoming double game weekers and deals with two emerging problems in Cancelo and Almiron. So I'm fairly relaxed about the hit. I think it's only my second of the season, so um, it feels a-, a bit wild for me, but I think, I think it'll pay off, hopefully. Um, mm. Bruno's probably going to be a temporary purchase I will probably move him on for Saka in the following week and finally have the man that I've always wanted
1: yes yes we all want we all want Bukayo in our lives really I just want to give him a hug and, you know feed him <laughs> f- feed him something nice and wa- watch some watch a nature documentary with him and watch his Aww. eyes fill with wonder as he sees the elephants walking across the savannah I just feel like that'd be great to watch with him. Anyway, and that aside, yes, that, that sounds very sensible. And um, I think that's a good way of kind of combining, I guess, the path you're on with dealing with some, some fires, which again, you know, they come out of nowhere and suddenly that can lead you uh, to having to deal with a player. There's nothing worse than it than, you know, when you're watching the news uh, or reading the news on Twitter, I should say. And it was like there's an injury at club. And you're like, please let me be my player. Please let me be my player. And you're like, blah blah blah. Like, oh for God's sake! And you see everyone going, yeah. You know, it wasn't. Oh, it wasn't my. Uh, my guys are all fine. And I'm like, oh yeah. Well, unfortunately, I'm in this guy, and I've got to deal with it. Anyway, yeah, makes a lot of sense. For me, um, I am going to be avoiding a hit, just because. And the reason I'm going to be avoiding hits, hopefully, in the next two weeks, is because I've used my triple captain. So logically, if I go into a game week and those people are triple captained. I start that game week four points down, do Because assuming the player plays twice, they get captains. So I cover the captain, player one, player two. But they play, they play again. So just with the appearance alone, that's four points. So if I take a hit, I then start the game week effectively on a minus eight compared to people who are triple captaining. I think the next two weeks, there can be more people triple captaining than probably any other point, I suspect. I'm sure some people will hold it, and we'll speak about what you're going to do in just a bit. So I'm going to be trying to avoid taking a hit for that reason, because I don't. I want to give myself every chance of trying to keep in the situation that I am now. That means that I've only got really one option, which is KDB to Bruno, and then next week Bruno's KDB, the hokey-cokey, something we've historically been told was a bit of a waste of a transfer, a move. Um, that you know, perhaps people would never have advised in the past, but I think at the moment it is actually something that I don't mind doing, because I mean, it's really it's really team dependent um, to use that annoying get out clause, but it is useful for me. So the rest of my team is pretty solid. I'm benching Robertson for God's sake. That would have been unthinkable in the past, but he's been bench rest opinion this week. And I've therefore got a really unusual situation where actually swapping the premiums around to suit the fixtures due to back to back double game weeks actually makes sense. We've long discussed, you know, this idea of buying and selling premiums to match the game weeks. But in the past, we've never really wanted to sell premium midfielders. Like you know, Salah was the torch holder for premium midfielders that we would never want to sell, regardless. But his advocation of that responsibility means that. We can be more movable with these guys. And we don't have to look at the marginal players. You know, it's a couple double game weeks. We can go for the main men now. And I think that it kind of makes sense to go with Bruno. As I said, one is because of the triple captaincy. So Bruno, I'm not going to cap him, but I think he's got a high ceiling. And I suppose everyone's going to be buying him anyway. But I should probably buy him because I'm trying to stack my deck. In favor of high variance outcomes to try to cover the extra man, many other people will be fielding with a vegetable captain. And also, when I buy Kevin De Bruyne back, I'm basically buying two extra games when I sell Bruno, even though it is Leeds, because it's the double and also 25 fixture. So I think that it kind of makes sense to do it, but it's not the nicest, most elegant move in the world, I grant you. It's just one of those, isn't it? Where I think that people will be looking at it and thinking, well, if I can only get to Bruno via, via KDB, but KDB's got double next week, then maybe they'll start looking elsewhere. And uh, I know overthinking it, or the term overthinking is quite a triggering word for a lot of people. But I think in this case, it's it's very easy to do that when there actually is an option, even though it can be slightly unpalatable staring at you in the face like that. I mean, do you think that he's just one that you can't really go against this week, thinking about the pathways discussion that we've been talking about?
0: Well, in terms of the way you're doing it, I think it's perfectly fine to do it as you are in your case with a team that looks relatively ship-shape. They haven't got any major fires or any problems. I think doing it that way is perfectly fine. Um, what I do have a problem with or a concern about is people that I've seen suggesting the same move. When they've got other things, they're kind of ignoring because that that's the kind of simple, easy way to get Bruno in. And I think... You know, we have to acknowledge that he is an awkward price point, and if you do want him, he's probably going to be either a double move, which you might not have the transfer for, potentially a triple move, as it is in my case. So, you know, it's a bit awkward unless you, yeah, lose a premium for that one transfer. So, I think if you have got lots of things to sort out, I would look at something a little bit more sophisticated or a little bit more kind of ingenious that you, even if it means stomaching maybe a hit to look at it a bit more holistically. Whereas if, if in your case, as you you know, you don't really have anything else to deal with, it, it makes perfect sense. Um, whether he is kind of essential or, or, I don't know, a must, I don't know if I'd go that far. But I know that with my discomfort with owning or missing high, high EO players, I know I would struggle to sit there and watch it. I don't think it's necessarily a certainty that he goes off and does brilliant things could just the odd assist or something like that and look fairly bleh as a as a return so I don't mm. think it's you know prepare yourself for a red arrow if you don't have him I don't think I'd go that far and it may be that you can't find a nice way of dealing with fires and bringing him in in which case maybe look elsewhere but yeah I, I think you're right in the sense that we're seeing people pick him up quite quickly now some people will captain him. Him, I won't. I don't feel like it's something for me, but I could see why you would do it, and I think that would bring him up to such a level that I wouldn't feel comfortable without him, really.
1: Yeah, I think the thing is for a player like that, and I think what I've done in the past, maybe actually for that Stones and Diaz example is a good point, is a good actual um, example of that, is that I think I was busy fixing other things and I couldn't quite. You know, I didn't want to take the minus twelve, I don't think it was to get one of those two in as well on top of it. Obviously mm-hmm. the outcome was highly unlucky for me and highly lucky for everybody else, but Stone has scored a brace, for example. But with that, you always feel kind of it's it's availability heuristic. Those memories are so high in mind about of things that have happened and risks that I could. Full prey to like things like the Mitrovic only scoring 10 points So would probably have been better for me to ignore that altogether and not bother spending a transfer those sort of things sort of fade from your mind the ones that yeah. stick in mind are the things you didn't do well on because you should have taken the chance and it, it's going to be quite difficult I think unless you're one of these people who can't get to Bruno, so therefore we're leaning into the Bruno's crap story. Um, I, I think that it'd be quite that's difficult. That's quite prevalent to on Twitter, do. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's, that's why Twitter can be a bit of a nonsense a lot of the time, just because <laughs> it's like, all right, someone's throwing out this viewpoint. They look at their team. Oh, well, I know why they're saying that. It's because they can't afford them or because they can't get there. So they're building that narrative to suit their own perspective and passing it off as impartial advice. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, it, I, I think that he is a player that you, you've got to really be looking at for this double. I, I don't mean to tell you that, do you? Um, He's fifth for midfielder since the restart in terms of non pen XGI. And been tracking Rashford quite nicely, actually. Um, hasn't blanked once, I don't think, uh, since the restart either. So certainly a player that I think is going to be featuring in a lot of play- people's teams. And as you said, and as I've said, I think it's probably going to be a one-week punt really on Bruno albeit that leads away game, I feel like that is a, a recipe for disaster, yeah. really, if I'm selling... it again,
0: though, where the double game weeks are di- dictating what we do, aren't they? Like, we I are know. switching them out again because of double game weeks. If it wasn't for them, we'd have left him, And that, that annoys me that I feel like I'm having to uh, pass up potential opportunities because... I feel compelled to cover off these other players
1: yeah maybe I won't bother doing it maybe you know Bruno will be so good that I'll just think you know what I'm going to do that because Kevin De Bruyne has been out of sorts for quite a while hasn't he and you know didn't play a game a couple of weeks ago did he Uh, missing the Spurs game so maybe it is the case that I tried to look past it a little bit I mean I don't think he missed the Arsenal game surely not but we, we will have to see. Yeah. Okay. So if if we're both looking at Bruno, and I think probably look, most people at large are looking at Bruno, there are other options though. Fair course. Could you ever go back there again? No. No. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, uh, I think
0: it really depends on that one. I don't think he's necessarily a terrible. You know, if like us on uh, Bruno, you might be looking at Fair Course as a as a, a one week punt before you go to Anquetil or something like that. That could be quite common in structures. I'm just thinking. I think there are worse ideas. The problem there is that it really depends on Martial news. You would think a returning Martial would steal his minutes and if not a start. And in which case it probably kills both of them as options for the double. So I don't hate it, but I don't love it. Um, hmm. I guess the other one would be Martinez. I don't know hmm. if you've... I think we both sort of vaguely discussed him at one point, didn't we?
1: Yeah, I've looked at this. So United's defence has been doing all right since the restart. They're seventh from bottom in terms of expected goals conceded. Although the likes of Nottingham Forest and Southampton are actually doing better in terms of expected goals conceded than United are since the restart. Um, they conceded the fewest, the third fewest big chances, though, for whatever that's worth. In up to that's equal with Man City on five. Newcastle when you conceded one big chance in five games. Ridiculous job Eddie Howe's doing there. And United have also conceded the fifth least shots on target. Combine that with Leeds and Palace being bottom half for xG from open play since the restart. Palace are actually second bottom for that. Then maybe you've got a case. Plus, you don't mess around. If you do own KDB or a City asset that you're looking to move on to Bruno, then mess around with him. And you have him there for Spurs. hope he returns to being his big game Kev. And then you can do something else for a transfer in 23 potentially as well, i.e. maybe move on Martinez to a City defender or something like that. So it is an option, isn't it, to go with double defence? And I can see why. I think it's just the the upside or at least the anticipated ceiling that Bruno provides you means that for me it's it's worth doing. But if if you can't get to um, United's, if you can't get to Bruno, I think probably your options are to go for that double defence. I'm not sure I'd be interested in their course unless, as they've said, you'd be looking to move on to uh, in Ketia. And you've got your just to leave it, isn't it, really?
0: My problem with Martinez, um, having kind of looked at it, because I was looking at a much duller move, which didn't involve a hit. Um, my my problem there is that, and I think it'll be a problem for a lot of people, is that if you have Trippier and Shaw, and a few people have Botman or Pope or someone like that, you're not looking great for twenty five. And if you add Martinez on top of that, then you're looking very stretched for twenty five. I don't think you need to pull plan- out out a full 11 in 25 but I think you probably need to put out more than one defender and that's what I'd have probably been looking at if I'd gone for Martinez as well um so that was kind of ultimately which what really turned me off that um so that's another thing to consider just when you're looking at players your kind of likelihood of getting those players covered
1: yeah, it's 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 weird, isn't it? Because you want to kind of be on that sort of the same, on the same boat, in this, near enough the same boat as everybody else. And you do kind of, if it, it is United and it is Leeds and it is Crystal Palace. And I think that that probably is very difficult to try to bargain down logically. I mean, if you are sat there with De Gea, Shaw and Rashford, it's one of those where you've kind of already made your bed. There's a, there's yes. a butterfly effect that's already occurred for you. It's got you. And unfortunately, unless you're kind of countenancing a minus four or a minus eight to make that work, I'm assuming you don't have the money for um, De Gea to Kepper and then trying to move a you know another defend another midfielder around to Bruno, unless it's KDB. I and mean, you've already sort of made your bed there. It is, it is quite difficult, and it's something that we'll definitely explore in the second half as well as we get on to the rest of the teams. Bob uh, well, Leeds, for this double game week, triple captioning, and also next week to come. All right, right, take a break there. Be back in just a second. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Right, so we're back, and after covering United a little bit, um, I think Leeds are probably just worth briefly mentioning before we move on to Triple Captain, maybe this week and also for next week. So I'm not interested, basically, in Leeds, because for all the reasons I've suggested. So my path means that any move for a Leeds player would involve a, a hit, and I'm not really set up to bring in any Leeds player, really, apart from maybe non-toe for Greenwood. But even then, I'd have to bench like a Matoma or something like that to make it work. So,
0: it's a hard life, isn't it?
1: I know, but it, it doesn't seem worth it for me. I mean, d- looking at a goalkeeper, defence, nah. Midfield, maybe Rodrigo, those people are going there. Up front, I mean, Rutter's signings, confusing matters. The least French name I've ever heard, Routier. Routier but, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, Nonto probably is is the one, isn't it? But it's worth noting that Forest, as mentioned, have got a lower SUC than United and are especially decent at home. So it's it's not looking like the best double game week, really, for them on paper. But Nonto is a good enabler and it looks like he's the only place you'd kind of seriously go outside of punting quite heavily, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, in a normal season under normal circumstances I mean Bamford would tempt me given that he's looking a bit better but I looked at his price he's still north of £7 million I can't be you know signing off that kind of fee I've seen a few people discussing Stroik and Melier and I can't get behind either of those I think they've kept four cleaning sheets in the opening 21 and that's less than Spurs Forest and Leicester I mean come on those are teams that we wouldn't want like how would we want Leeds um <laughs> And as you said, yeah, the, the Ruteir just adds to the general confusion about their attackers. I've just seen they've just been linked to Zaniolo this evening as well. Oh, I mean, cool. who who hasn't been this this window? So yeah, I think you're basically taking a one week punt on a player, and for that reason, I don't think you want to spend a lot of money on it. Um, and that's why that's kind of primarily why I'm on Nonto. Yeah. he allows me to kind of reassess going back to three five two, dead cheap. Rob, I've I've been really irritating Leeds fans on Twitter by going. So, how many minutes do you think Nanto plays over a double game week? And they obviously seem fairly positive on his minutes, so kind of like north of 150. So I'm I'm taking that. I think he's just decent from a from a structural perspective. Really, if you want to look at switching things around, he's a really nice way of doing it. Rodrigo, his I don't know if his minutes are going to be slightly confined now that Ruter and Bamford are around, and that would concern me a bit. And he also just hasn't been playing brilliantly recently. You know, I've watched him a couple of times and not been wildly impressed. So, you know, I know he was doing very well at the beginning of the season. I've I've gone a bit cool on him now. But, you know, he is a decent price point. And, you know, if you want to look for simple, quick moves where you might go to an Odegaard afterwards, then, you know, it's not the worst in the world. But, yeah, I've only really considered Nonto with any serious reason, really.
1: Yeah, enabler FC, I'd agree. Yeah, save. yeah. United. Bruno, probably, if you can't really get there, either don't buy into the narrative that he's not a good pick or you know maybe go for double defence and hope for the best because the uh, defence is okay, but maybe not very course unless you've got a very, very strong stomach. And Leeds, yeah, non-so. <laughs> that kind of is it for the for that double game week. And the next ones. obviously, there's loads of games to be played. So we'll touch on it, but not in much detail. But yeah, which free Arsenal with Everton up next? I know Sean dice has just been appointed, but probably can't expect him to immediately start turning in Burnley-esque 1-0. FPL JMO James writes in from Exotic Itchin, and he says, yeah, due to recent upcoming doubles, I still don't have free Arsenal. He says, do we need to start prioritising buying in players like players from Arsenal rather than buying in players that play twice in double game week and do I really do it this time and I think the answer for both of us would probably be yes it's probably worth looking at getting an Arsenal player in very soon uh, maybe even this week for that Everton game because it just sets up and gets it sorted out so I mean w- with Arsenal Lucy there's probably four in the mix I and mean, we'll talk about the defence in a minute there's there's four in the mix there's Enketia, there's Martinelli, Odegaard, Saka you want Sakarin, don't you? And you're gonna add him to Martinelli?
0: Yeah, I, I mean I've looked at Martinelli. I don't know if I still want him, but I can't ever reconcile with taking a hit to move him out for another player from the same team. Don't think he's deserved to get as many points as the other two, but he's probably deserved to get more than he's got, if that makes sense. So, you know, I don't don't think the gap's as wide as we think it might be. It's just kind of who's scored and who hasn't. So, yeah, I'm going to stick with Martinelli for now, um, and then it'll just be a question of adding Saka or Odegaard. I think when we were talking about Bruno earlier, I think it is a perfectly valid option to go straight to Saka if you're not that sold on Bruno, um, or straight to Odegaard if you're not that sold on Bruno, and just have that done and dusted, ready for 23. Yeah. I don't think that should be completely discounted, and it was one of the options I looked at. So, You know, if I'd gone for Martinez as my third Man United player, I'd have probably put Saka straight in for Almiron. So I think that's a perfectly valid way of doing it. I am still stuck with White, who is giving me a bit of anxiety. Do you think he he keeps playing at right back?
1: That's the problem, isn't it? So obviously a bit of a a difficult game, last game, Mm. but he has been playing very well for us and does provide that important sort of extra man going forward. I mean, it's been widely documented. It was documented the Athletic about how he'd been used by Arteta uh, at providing an overload uh, in attack. And I think that White at the moment is still the most attuned to be playing that role. The problem is that on the first few weeks when he we came back from restart, there wasn't as much congestion in terms of games. With that congestion, you may well see, because Tommy Yasu, let's not forget, is, is a very capable right back or back up right back and then double game week for example I mean, i'm not sure i'd be particularly surprised actually to see white not show up for one of the games um i wouldn't be shocked for example if brentford he ended up not being played and tommy Asi played that game that's a hunch I, i've got no inside information about that and um, but it, it, i think if i had my time again for sure that like i've got ramsdale and I'm, I'm, I'm gonna leave ramsdale now because that's the way it is but I went with Kepa initially, and I didn't go with an Arsenal defensive asset. I, I wouldn't bother right now, and I just get three attackers. Basically, I try to get three attackers if I possibly could, just because the data is ridiculous. Like I had a look at the data post restart for the Arsenal four amigos, and wow, like one person stands out, and that's Eddie Nketiah. Like it's, it's, it's absolutely cr- crazy, really. Like he's He's got almost double the expected goal involvement of everybody else. and He's actually slightly underperforming it. So for contests, 4.84 is the expected goal involvement. And he's got four. For further contests, Gabriel, Marcinelli, Odegaard, and Saka are on around 2.5, 2.7 each. Odegaard is hugely overperforming, so 2.34 goal involvements more than he should have. And if you're on a three four three, I think I'd be... Probably looking at Nketiah, if you can get him in for like a Mitro or something like that. And I bugger worries about Jesus, frankly. There's loads of ways you can skin the cat, basically. Looking at XGI, Martinelli is actually better than Odegaard and Saka currently, which surprised me because to the eye, it's not quite working out that way non-pen XG, is currently ahead. And there's loads of ways you can look at it. Basically, they're all quite good assets. And Ketty's got a higher SGI than anybody else. Uh, but it feels like the old days, like when we and Nick started out in 2017, we were talking about the red roulette then when we were speaking about Liverpool. And it was basically every week, Salah, Coutinho, Firmino, or Alana, any of them could have returned. And you just kind of had to hope that you had the right kind of combination. Um, and I feel like it, it's kind of like that again. I, I would say on Marcinelli. That Nketia, it's not as beneficial for him as it is with Jesus. Jesus and him interchange a lot uh, in terms of how they attack and play positionally. Nketia doesn't do that really in the same way, um, which has been affecting Marcinelli. Marcinelli doesn't have an overlap, um, he has an underlap, and his name's Granite Xhaka, uh, which kind of works differently than right back, where you've got a Ben White sort of character. But Rosenchenko is obviously sitting in midfield rather than rampaging up, up the pitch. Trossard, X Men's threat. Yes. Uh, although I wouldn't quite characterize him as a starts threat just yet. Maybe the logic I just mentioned with White could actually work with Crossard as well. You never know. But Marcinelli is immediately play, uh, facing Seamus Coleman next. So that in itself would make me think, you know, he's the third or fourth most sold player at the moment. I'd be worried about that. Marcinelli has also just signed a new contract and Marcinelli can also play up front as well. So you know, if, if the ball does go up, um, as Mark, our friend FPL General, mentioned on the above average this week, it, it might not be Marcelli who goes off the trossard. It might be uh, that Nketi goes off the trossard and Marcelli goes up front. You, you just don't know at the moment with them. But yeah, it just feels like red roulette, really, trying to decide which one to go for. To answer James, JMO's James's question, I think it certainly is worth trying to get. If, you, if you've got a space this week to do it, the Everton game's there, i go for it. But having double attack... I think from now onwards, given the value, it's outrageous. I, I just wouldn't really hesitate from doing that. Like If I was wildcarding right now, I'd go for Odegaard, Saka and Nketiah and and sack off the, the defence. But hey, you know it, it's just ridiculous, isn't it, really? It reminds me of when you could get Bele Alli, Eriksen and Kane all in one team that year for Spurs when it was them and Leicester facing off. It really is that sort of situation when we're so underpriced that it's just ridiculous what we can do. All right, uh, and City, uh, I suppose, is the other side of that, isn't it? Really, I think most of us will have Holland, probably De Bruyne, although Mares is probably going to be fairly widely owned, etc. I mean, the defensive minefield is quite interesting, though, isn't it? I mean, you've bought into Ake; those people did buy into Stones, who went off injured against Arsenal. It's definitely an interesting sort of areas to look at. And as I mentioned earlier, Morpheus asked, with with Cancelo leaving, what do we do? I mean. Ake was the standout for obvious reasons, although you know the port historically said the the goal threat. Is it is it just because of that left back and the versatility of Ake that kind of thought? Oh, yeah, I'll go with that.
0: Yeah, basically, I feel like Ake's got two chances at starting, so it's kind of that way of looking at it. And obviously, getting seven million back for Cancelo and having only having to spend five million on Ake, that's that's two million released, which is a pretty big difference when it comes to reallocating funds and buying someone like Bruno who, you know, is is normally quite difficult to reach. So um it really came down to that really. And I I do think there might be just validity in ignoring their defence altogether, unless you've got Edison or you, you need to make a goalkeeper goalkeeper transfer. I don't love doing those unless I have to. Um but unless you've got Edison, maybe just not bothering at all mm. is is possibly a good idea. You know, in in the sense that we're talking about Arsenal, is it really worth bothering with their defence because there's so much value in their attack. It's kind of slightly different for City, but but potentially Mara's and KDB could work quite nicely. Don't know, might not, but you know, I I don't think there's a massive need to have all three City slots used because there are so few of them that have got reliable minutes coming out of them, yep. and they're not, none of them are cheap. So, you know, I, I can be sold on the Mara's thing, but I also just don't know if you would need to necessarily have three city which seems bizarre like a really weird thing to be saying it um, does but yeah it's just the minutes it's the pep roulette that's killing us at the moment I think
1: absolutely I mean I as I said earlier on I'm not planning to take a hit which means that I'm likely to just have Holland and a midfielder who is likely to be Kevin De Bruyne uh, and defensively they've been very good so you know, second best defense to Newcastle in terms of the expected data um, I would point out, though, that Villa haven't done too badly in terms of ex-chief play since to restart, and Arsenal are doing very well as well. So I wouldn't be surprised by a four-pointer from City defenders in that one. And also, I've got decent single game week players in that week. So I don't think I'll be running on City assets, but I think we'll touch on this more next week. Something to Mention quickly though is triple captains, Lucy, and um, before we move on to what we're missing uh, by focusing on all these players. Uh, a question from Goops this week. and um, Rashford and 22, Holland and 23 have been discussed to death, and we're about to discuss that a little bit. He also mentions that Arsenal are doubling in 23, too. So maybe could a Saka triple captain or something like that, be on the table. I mean, just to say, obviously, I I haven't got a triple captain right now, um, but I I'm honestly a little bit more worried about. Haaland in two weeks' time than Rashford this week. I don't know why that is. I think it's just because of the fact I that Haaland can demonstrably just do it whenever.
0: Yeah. Whereas Rashford, he's got four hat-tricks they. so far this season, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, and whilst that say? Arsenal fixture is the toughest one he'll face, there's still plenty of opportunity for him to do well out of it. And I think it's there's a proper fear factor around Haaland that probably isn't around Rashford, despite the fact Rashford's probably got better minutes in him and and better fixtures so i'm finding it really hard to reason that one out um i definitely will be playing it in the next two weeks i've got no interest in taking triple captaincy further than that because i think there are going to be limited opportunities to get it out and i wouldn't want to feel that my triple captaincy chip was causing me some kind of tension in terms of working out how i was going to get other chips out so i will definitely play it but it's interesting that you say that you know, you're more worried about Harland than you are about Rashford because that kind of leans me towards Harland on the basis that you know I like to I like to know the people that have used their triple captaincy what they are more scared of because I think that gives you a, a kind of good balanced view on where you might be able to use it. But yeah, I, I find I'm finding it really difficult to split them at the moment.
1: Is there anything else other than my personal opinion, <laughs> which is Which is, I mean, the data's so is there, isn't it? I mean, it's, yeah, the data's
0: there. Yeah, it's, it's just whether you know, Rashford getting that extra point for a goal, his better fixtures, his probably better minutes, whether those kind of little pluses that he has against Haaland negates the, the kind of horrible hat trick doom that I feel around him. I don't know <laughs> if it does, um. And I feel like it's going to be another week in twenty three where Harland has big ownership that you feel like to get anything kind of beneficial out of him. It's got to be a triple captaincy.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's definitely two weeks of I, I, I think it's more of a hope than an expectation that Rashford will stay below two hundred percent EO. This week, and I'm sure Holland's EO will be pretty high uh, for the Villa and Arsenal games. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a, it's an annoying situation as a, someone who's used a triple captain, uh, which is unusual actually. I, I don't think I've ever been in this position before, where I'm sitting now, waiting, feeling like like a sitting duck or a lamb who's about to be slaughtered, just just waiting to see where the pain will come from. <laughs> so it's, it's not it's not very nice. But yeah, no, I, I can see. I think there's a lot of people who are going to just be bifurcating on that one up until the very end because if it, it's not really cut and dried probably on paper you favour Crystal Palace and Leeds but it is Holland and you know that's that,
0: that's literally the counter argument to Rashford is it's Holland like that's literally all there is but that's in itself a huge huge point. You know we've we've never seen a player do this to the Premier League in the way he's doing it and he could go wild despite bad fixtures. Yeah.
1: So okay, okay. So uh, on the other side of what we were mentioning in terms of buying into the double game weeks, there's obviously the counterbalance to that. Uh, Nathan Jacobson asked, you know, do people put too much emphasis on the distant future rather than the near future when making transfers? For example, people are reluctant to bring in Matoma, which makes me very happy as Nona. I promise I didn't pay Nathan to say that, but it's very interesting to kind of think about that because, you know, for example, I've I I got got Matoma in last week and now I've got Bournemouth Crystal Palace and Fulham for that guy, whereas people have Almoron they're now trying to deal with double, uh, double game weeks, single game weeks or whatever. And it kind of it feels like there's a real sort of pathway that feels laid out to people. And the likes of Matoma, and in the past other sort of individuals who have been doing very well, I remember Luca Dean, for example, going on a ridiculous rampage two seasons ago where we got double figure result, after double figure result. We completely ignored him because all we are interested in was doubling players. I mean, do you think that there's ever a time to be... Like, is Mat- the lights of Matoma, are they really ever going to be featuring in your mind if you're kind of busy being preoccupied by these double game weeks? It just feels like kind of that roadblock is hard to see past, isn't
0: it? I think it probably comes down to that kind of what we're talking about, a path set for you. If you are in a position where you're quite well set for doublers, say, for example, as you are, then I, I don't think there's any I don't have any qualms with going after Brighton. I think it's the the problem is is when you feel like you're chasing doublers, like you're not well that that well set, it's quite difficult to make the argument for someone like Matoma over an alternative if you can use that slot elsewhere. I mean, obviously there isn't actually a direct alternative for Matoma from terms of price point. But mm. you know, that slot, if you if you need to use that for a doubler, it's quite difficult to make a case for a Brighton player, knowing that the the ceiling on a on a doubler is probably higher. So, it, yeah, it really comes down to how you're set, how your team's looking. If you've got yourself in quite a good position for the doubles, I think that's when you're in a in a point where you can look at Brighton players and, and the more advantageous single weakers. But I'm, I'm not well covered, and I, I feel like the best way to, to give myself an opportunity to get up the ranks is by going for those doublers, because mm. just by their very nature, there's more in them. I think if I was yeah in your position, either well set or or doing well for rank, then there's a lot of opportunity there. I think also that because March and Matoma are well priced, they're also quite good make weights in kind of any restructuring, yeah, yeah. releasing of funds and that kind of thing. The the difficulty for me was that I needed a cheap forward for my planned moves rather than a cheap midfielder, and obviously Ferguson's minutes weren't quite so secure as those two and. I kind of, before that, even before the injury that he suffered as a result of the Benio Challenge, it it kind of made Nonto the obvious choice just because he had the extra fixture as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. Nathan mentions obviously the distant future. The difference is that we've got this double game week kind of now, rather than the blank game week in a few weeks' time. I think if, if there wasn't these doubles, then I'd be kind of saying to people very strongly, disregard or just keep at the back of the mind the fact that you've got this blank game week coming up i wouldn't over worry about blank i think that we do this we've been conditioned to do this a lot in fpl over the last few years and i think that there is like a bit of a scaremongering tactic really it's a it's, a, it's definitely a, a a talking point that there's a blank to come right but actually all you're doing really is just buying two points in for the future um, but because there was, there's this immediate double, I think that, that complicates things, it muddies the water, yeah. it's very difficult to say, yeah, get Matoma over getting Bruno Fernandes, for example. I know that sounds a bit of an ad absurd point, but it does stand because you have to, it's the reality of the situation is that it's very difficult to look past unless I mean, you've got a very strong hunch and if, you're, if, if it pays off, then fantastic, well done to you but I've, I've seen lesser managers and better managers also kind of try to be, I guess, it's guarding against being too clever, I suppose, maybe.
0: Mm, yeah, I think you can get obsessed with the blanks and I've done it in the past and I told myself not to do it this time. Um, I think you're right in the sense that you should just see the, a blank player as losing two points. You know, it's, it's a two-point margin in things. So if you can't equal up two points against the player you've already got, then maybe, maybe follow the blank. Like, I think it's very likely we will see a lot of teams without 11 in 25 just because of the quantity of good teams that yeah. are, miss- yeah. are missing it. So I wouldn't let that define what you do at the same time in marginal decisions. I think you should factor in because it's just a good way of planning ahead. So, you know, if you've got two teams that are very tight, two, two players that are very tight, then I I would factor in because you're just making life easier for you down the line. But yeah, I think you are right. that people, over obsess about what what could be p- the potential impact of a blank game week. And often blank game weeks are full of rubbish points anyway. Yeah,
1: damp squibs. Terrible. I and mean, then if there is a big team that has a blank, guess what? We've we've more than likely already got those players. So yeah, i I think it's just it's it's very easy to you know, start to sway people down one particular path. And I don't, I don't know. Uh, it, it definitely is one of those. But if there wasn't double involved, I think my I'd be a lot stronger on just, just ignoring or at least leaving blanks to be dealt with by future you. The final thing we were, we were going to mention, something that you mentioned to me kind of when we were starting uh, to think about this pod last week was this idea of rank impacting things and how I look at things. You mentioned a few times, you know, you're in this position, so you look at things a little bit differently. I think we we spoke about it when you were a bit down in the dumps at the end of last week, Lucy. You know, I was saying you know maybe it might be a good thing to you know, maybe differentiate more, saying you know I I tried to consciously get more of those sort of star players on live FPL or you know low effective own players to try to help my situation. But you were pretty hot on this idea of kind of small marginal gains uh, as the season progresses. I mean, do you think that's due to rank difference, given that's due to play style. I think that's probably something that we can come back to in a later pod. So it's quite a big sort of topic to go on. To, but I mean, what do you think about this?
0: Well so I've been keeping quite a close eye on you know the live FPL safety score. So when I've taken red arrows, like how far off I am from avoiding the red arrow. And it's a fairly consistent thing that it's two or three points that are causing these red arrows which isn't a disaster, uh, but obviously it kind of has that cumulative problem. And I, I just think that it's been a fairly consistent theme from having a team that's just behind the template. So I always think that being a template player isn't a problem as long as you don't find yourself chasing it and being like a couple of players behind it because that's when you get into this problem of having, you know, this slow erosion of points. So I, I think if I can get on the other side of the template, so be a bit aggressive this week, potentially a bit more aggressive next week, over the next few weeks, and get back in front of the template, I can start to get those um, marginal gains that you were just referencing. I don't yet think that I'm at a point where I need to do more than that or be more bold with it. I think, obviously, this is a style thing, so there, obviously the famed late riser would have a very different way of doing this with a lot more aggressive style of play but I think at the moment I'm okay with marginal gains and then I've kind of resolved that I'll reassess when I get to the next wild card and then have a moment where I can re-strategize if I need to if I haven't made those marginal gains and look at bigger punts knowing that I can get certain areas of the squad more secure so you've got Those you've kind of got the building blocks in that you've actually got that I haven't had, which has caused me a little bit in flux, right? And then use that as an opportunity to be a bit more targeted and thoughtful about those differentials because at the moment I feel like I've had too many fires to be as strategic about those differentials as I'd want to be. So if you if you kind of try to diverge at the wrong moment, you actually end up eroding your rank really quickly,
1: yeah. It really is about, as you said, as we've kind of spoke about a lot on the pod about pathways and you kind of finding yourself suddenly with lots of fires compared to me finding myself looking fairly okay touch woods has kind of meant that our paths have diverged a slight bit but you know with the moves you've said you're going to do this week and being a touch aggressive with them that is a point where you can kind of take the opportunity to do something to try to mitigate the circumstances that you've been kind of befell by recently. And it always is about circumstances, annoyingly. There's no yes or no about this. And for example, you know, touching on transfers and captains a bit, and as, as I mentioned earlier on, the next two weeks for me are going to be primarily defensive. So captains will be Rashford and Holland. I've used my triple captain and my transfers are completely preordained. But I know I'll be doing KDB to Bruno and probably back to KDB again. And in the past, I'd have been chafing about this, you know, and looking for galaxy brain ways around that but i'm gonna to try to trust my squad as i think i said a uh, pre-world card there's pre-world cut wild card as well um last, uh, the first half of the season because it's one of those things isn't it where i've not made many big changes since the start restart apart from the ill-fated metro fling and the thing's just return me quite a lot of points. So, you know, it's just it's just trying to kind of keep everything kind of on a level. But it's, it's about taking those opportunities when they present themselves to you. Like, you were trying to take the opportunity this week. I tried try to take the opportunity last week. There is, I would say, though, if you are maybe, you know, 700, 800K, you know, 50, 100 points off the pace, I've been there last couple of seasons last four or five seasons at some points and one of the things i don't i really regret is not the things i did but the things i didn't do so you know i think i remember like a rashford captaincy against sheffield united when he scored a brace and i didn't do it because i was too worried about salah and he blanked and you know not buying a sit not not buying a sister defender for that double game week yes uh, the following year i didn't buy a his defender and captain one like i told myself i'd do kind of the week before because i was too worried about buying somebody else who everybody else owned in the in, in, in on twitter basically and I, I think this year as i've said quite a few times uh, actively stepping away from fpl twitter a little bit or treating it as a way to pass the time rather than information source that i take very seriously has really helped like I think if you're not happy with your rank, you can take a few chances um, and you should feel like you're all kind of following the herds. You need to follow the herd as much because who cares what FPL friend is doing this week. If it's not something that you think is the best for you, like don't feel like you should do it because everyone else is doing it. Like for five years, that's that's kind of what I was doing the whole time. And I don't know. I I think the one thing I regret if I was really chasing like 700 K at this point was not taking more chances because at the end of the day, you 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 haven't really got that much to lose, really. And yeah, I mean, that's something that kind of does come to mind for me. But where you are, Lucy, it definitely is a case that it's it's about kind of targeted opportunism rather than kind of nakedly going for uh, the Hail Mary, which again, I wish I'd done more when I was really chasing. But if you're kind of hoping to eke out those incremental gains, it makes a lot of sense to just do what you're doing. Right. Uh, <laughs> towards the end, then, Transfers and captains, Love Lovejoy, do we plan for blank game week 25 for transfers now or roll through that one week with eight to nine players? I think maybe we are already got to be thinking about this, Lucy. You've already mentioned it to some extent, but just to confirm, where are you with your transfers and captains? Well, captains should be fairly obvious, but transfers this week?
0: Yeah, so my transfers, as I mentioned earlier in the pod, are Kansala to Ake, which I've already done, um, Mitrovic to Nonto, uh, which brings in another double game weaker. And those two moves afford me Almiron to Bruno. Um, So that's minus four. My captain will be Rashford. I just don't know yet. No, if I'll triple captain him, I'm leaning against it. But who knows? It's one of those ones that I'll keep flicking around with. I think in terms of double game week 25, that, that kind of question around that, I think we've probably covered that in the sense that we're fairly relaxed about having a couple of blankers. I think it will be very common to have a couple of blankers and I wouldn't destroy a team to avoid it either. So I'm pretty pretty happy with that plan on transfers. It's just whether price changes push me to go a bit earlier than I'd like as it has with the Ake thing. Yeah. Um, And if any injuries pop up, I'll have to pivot quite quickly and I don't quite know what that'll look like.
1: I'm sure, it'll be fine <laughs> to answer Lovejoy's question as I see it now. I've got nine players for that blank and 25. 10 if Patterson is fit, as after doing two free transfers, you know, Greenwood and Best Opinion out for someone like Nonto and Bueno, something like that. I think that's probably going to be okay. 10 men uh, because I'll be covering all the big picks as it stands. So, I mean, barring a random double game we bring thrown in, or you know, something being thrown into the Round five, round five of the cup midweek when if teams are all out of the cup maybe there'll be a, a Premier League fixture uh, scheduled then to reach fixture congestion I, I, I don't know I'm I'm just gonna let future Tom deal with it basically and assume it will all be okay I know that sounds incredibly sort of casual from a very engaged sounding podcast but after five six years of doing this you, you start to realize that that's actually perfectly viable as a strategy actually. And we overthink and we over sort of emphasize how much value information it has. But actually, and we buy rubbish
0: players, don't we? We buy rubbish players every year because they've got a fixture. And really, what does that gain us apart from another transfer down the line? I mean, it, it doesn't, it's not really worth it. And I think about it every time and I always ignore myself. So I'm going to stick with it this time. If I don't want to play a long term, similarly to how I was approaching doubles earlier in the season, if I don't want to play then I'm I'm not gonna just buy them for that one week, really. Yep.
1: Learning the lessons of Emmanuel Dennis, learning the lessons of, <laughs> you know, getting in a Matt Loten or something. Although Matt Loten did actually get me an assist in a clean sheet once. But, you know, that's why it's play- stuck
0: in your memory, isn't it? not yeah, you don't remember all the duds, do you? <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. But you're know, buying players like that, just because they have two fixtures and being like, Oh, I got my four points, that was what I wanted. But, yeah, now I've got to deal with them unless I wildcard them out, which is fine. Um, transfers and captains wise um, i'm doing kdb to bruno and back again that sounds like the fpl uh, equivalent of the hobbit there and back again but hey there we go rashford captain and hope is eo doesn't make 200 percent. so hopefully people listen to this pub will be influenced by me like lucy has just has been triple captain this week so my pain is just lasted to one week uh, which is next week <laughs> be a bit of a boring period for me as i've mentioned i'm kind of stuck not a bad way because the guys have just got me 98 points, but I've got the same team basically until game week 25 now because I'm trying to use all my experience to avoid the urge to change things up. Basically, what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be buying Bruno and selling him again to get the same team again in two weeks. So it's like the worst free hit ever. And basically, I'm, I'm keeping the same team until 25 because I'm going to try to roll in 24 as well. So lots of trusting in the team. And just seeing where the preordained moves take me, seeing where the path takes me, and hoping the Butterfly's tornado will blow me in the right direction rather than the wrong one. But I'll be delighted with a small green after the next two weeks. But I'm expecting you know two reds in a row really from here. <sighs> well, that's a lot. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week for another mid-double game week pod. It's starting to get a bit old now, isn't it?
0: Yes, it is. It's a lot of Oh, we don't actually know what's happening yet, but bear with us. Anyway, um, I hope you haven't mind too much. Thanks for listening. We were Who Got The Assist. You can find Tom on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. And you can find me at Lucy Hynett. If you enjoyed listening to this, please like and subscribe to the podcast. For new listeners out there, if you think you'll be coming back, please hit that five star rating across platforms like iTunes and Spotify so more people can enjoy the pod.
1: Cool. Thanks, everyone. Hope uh, the butterfly effect in FPL was of interest to you in terms of something to talk about this week. Again, props to Lucy, the narrative genius, for coming up to that. I thought that was very interesting. And thanks for listening. My hope this to you, and we will speak to you very very soon. Farewell. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist?
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.